Hello friends, welcome back to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio, the show that tries to be the audio equivalent of David Wagner's style of football, high intensity, aggressive, heavy metal, uh, but no one's going to be doing any singing, so that's good. I'm Connor Southwell, joined by uh, our rock stars for this week, Paddy Davitt and Samuel Seaman, to uh, guide us through what's been a fairly hectic few days, let alone uh, a fairly hectic 10 days since we last sat down to record a official podcast. Uh, since then, David Wagner, as I'm sure you will have seen, has uh, been officially uh, confirmed as Norwich City's new head coach. He's had his first game in charge against Blackburn in the FA Cup and he's held an unveiling press conference as well uh, with Stuart Webber. So we will pick the bones of all of that with uh, with Paddy and Sam. Pad, let's, uh, let's start at the end and then we'll maybe work backwards. We were recording this on, on on Tuesday morning. We were we were all at the the unveiling of of David Wagner's um, appointment as as head coach yesterday at Carrow Road um, Monday afternoon. What were your reflections, feelings? What was it like to be in that room for that that press conference? Um, what 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 kind of your your takeaways from from what we heard from both David Wagner and Stuart Weber before we maybe delve into some more specifics? Uh, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, forty-six minutes of uh, yeah, certainly preferable to. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some program I wouldn't want to sit through for forty-six minutes uh, on the television. Probably something to like Prince Harry's interview, maybe with Tom Bradbury, something of that nature to go topical. But uh, that was good. No, that. that was good. Well, yeah, I set. I fell asleep. To be fair, on on Sunday night <laughs> watching that. That probably more because I was tired rather than anything to do with what he was banging on about. But uh, we digress. No, I. Um, well, it was a bit of a strange juxtaposition because you had, you know, with Wagner, the the, the real positivity around, you know, a new era, new head coach. OK, it, it started inauspiciously in terms of the Blackburn result. But I personally was very encouraged by what we saw in terms of even that early on, uh, what he's trying to do with his team in terms of style of play. We'll get into that in due course. But and, it, and the character he is, he's a very Farker-esque, warm, uh, you know, welcoming, uh, inclusive type of figure. So, you, you know, you're on one side of the ledger, you had that. And then obviously with Stuart Webber, for the reasons that we all know, over the last 12, 18 months, it's been you know, quite a, quite a difficult ride for, for him, for, for the for large sections of the fan base for us in the media, let's be honest as well. And and it, obviously that's the first time that he's been sat in front of us. I mean, he did, did a little bit with Sky before the Blackburn game. Um I think there might have been a podcast he went on as well. Um, but other than that, probably the first external touch points he's done with media going back to November 2021 and, and the end of the Farker reign. I remember when he spoke to us before Leeds, actually. So you had all of that time lag where we've not really had an opportunity to speak to him, we as in you know most of the media. Um, and as a result, a, a lot of the things that have happened in the intervening period were, were given an airing. And, and he was... As he always is, very uh, compelling to listen to, and and you know you either like what he has to say or, or you don't. But you probably there'll be a lot of people who don't like how he says it. I think that's that's the way he's always been since he walked through the door in day one. And I personally like how he delivers things because <laughs> without naming names, there's far too many people in football who do talk in cliches and sound bites and blandness and beige, and that's one thing you would never ever accuse Stuart Weber of being. So. Again, it was it wasn't out of the ordinary for a Stuart Webber media performance for me, but it it was quite an intriguing 
change of uh, or, or a contrast maybe with with the guy sat to his left who who was obviously looking forward and it was all about what's to come with Stuart Webber there was plenty of that but but inevitably we had to you know also reflect on you know what hasn't gone well for him personally for for the club in general and, and of course the, the episode that led to him having to unfortunately dismiss Dean Smith right at Christmas um so yeah I I, I found it a really fascinating um, and privileged to be there. Actually, you know, we all three of us were in that room, and and it was, you know, you, you, we've obviously put the full press conference out on our Pinkin channel, so people can consume it um, and get their own sense and make their own judgments. But to actually be in the room, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable. Actually, I quite enjoyed myself. So um, yeah, we'll see what what we get moving forward. But but in terms of an event, I thought it was quite compelling. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was really interesting to be in the room, and it's also interesting how the dynamic maybe worked both on the stage, but also in terms of shaping what we're speaking about afterwards. Because even though we were there for David Wagner, it feels like we're going to probably spend a lot of this podcast speaking about Stuart Weber and the stuff that maybe he said, and and, and some of the topics that he headed up and fronted up and answered questions too. What I would say is uh, there's, there, he, he, he was obviously in that press conference and then the nature of these things are he, he went and did some some radio bits. There's a, a really good chat that he's done with Chris Gorham actually which I, I, I feel and this is just my personal opinion um, he was he was probably and again just my view better on, on some of the, the, the topics in that format and it's very difficult in press conferences because it's quite disjointed uh, in terms of people popping up and asking different questions whereas that was a bit more kind of conversational but um, he, he was he was pretty good in that so that, that's that's worth a listen and, and worth a few minutes of your time if, if you get an opportunity but I, I mean it, it is as we say Sam that the first time really that we've we've spoken to Stuart Webber uh, and lots of media organisations have spoken to Stuart Webber since the last one of these, which was the Dean Smith un- unveiling. As, as Pad said, he hasn't done too much then, but a hell of a lot has happened. And and, and there was always going to be conversations or, and questions about his record in the last 18 months. Like Paddy said, I felt he, he was very combative, as he always is in terms of that. He was on the front foot. He wanted to engage with those questions and give his opinion. And even if if you don't agree with what he said, you always get the sense that you're hearing his his version of events and, and his truth. So in terms of, of Stuart Webber, it, it was a really interesting kind of listening experience, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And as much as we were there for, for David Wagner's unveiling, the fact is we will hear from David Wagner probably twice a week um, for you know the foreseeable. And based on Stuart Webber's recent track record, that might be the, the only time we hear from him for a good while. So... I think it makes sense that we were sort of more uh, interested at times in what he had to say. And um, probably those sort of diehard Norwich fans will be looking more into what he said because, you know, as as Paddy spoke about, he's somebody who's very much not into that cliched way of talking. Um, And you had David Wagner there who, as much as he seems keen to explain all of his own footballing ideals and probably isn't quite as sternly media trained as perhaps some are in the game. Um, Just the nature of an unveiling press conference and some of the questions that he got asked meant that quite a lot of the answers were quite predictable and and probably what Norwich fans were expecting. Um, And then you go into an environment where Stuart Webber's probably got a multitude of, of, of choices in terms of what he did with Sky Sports a couple of weeks ago, I thought was more forward-looking and perhaps more um, open about 
where he and others at sort of board level board level have, have got things wrong um in recent months and then yesterday i thought was as you said slightly more combative and maybe defending his own record a little bit more so it was actually quite interesting to hear what he had to say um i thought he made a few relevant points and i'd be surprised if there are many norwich fans out there that agree with everything that he said but ultimately he will feel that there's a rationale for every decision that he's made as he pointed out regarding dean smith um and dean smith used to point out regarding his players every player every person in a job when they have to make a decision will make the one that they believe to be the best one because there's not any reason not to and obviously he he would have wanted to come out and explain some of those decisions and perhaps add some mitigation to some of the accusations that have been thrown his way um there are some interesting comments on perhaps some of the criticism he's received and the fact that he you know to, to bring up that phrase again ignores the noise and tries not to to read those sorts of things um and i actually i think there was a lot to take away from that that probably we could have predicted going into it but it's still it's still interesting every time that he speaks how how glued that that hardcore fan base are to all the content around it because um at the end of the day it's not a situation of a, a chairman that perhaps doesn't know too much about football that we might have had coming out previously um, or somebody that isn't particularly involved in those strategic decisions. As much as the head coach is there to produce results on the pitch, Stuart Weber is the man making all of the big decisions at the football club. And um, when we haven't had those explained in a, a sort of press conference environment or um, scrutinised by a multitude of, of journalists and, and outlets for what, 13, 14 months, um, I think it's absolutely natural that he's the person that people are focusing on. And we'll probably still be breaking those things down. I wrote a piece um, for this morning, actually, about how how much of a sterile atmosphere those press conferences are. And yet when you're in them, you don't really realise how important some of those quotes are going to be because there's probably things that he said yesterday that will emerge in a number of pieces that we write over the next you know 18 months and some statements he made that we'll probably use as a measure, measuring stick for his performance so uh it will be interesting to see which bits of those are taken in future and which bits fans will cling on to because there are plenty of sound bites out there you know um into war without a gun etc that are still quoted on a regular basis and i'm sure there are plenty of those that are, that are going to to emerge from this press conference but overall i thought it was an entertaining listen and probably one of those things that, that fans will be glued to because it's something they've been waiting for for such a long time. He's, he's still, in my view at least, Norwich City's best communicator, which does make maybe this this kind of absence where he hasn't done anything so so uh, bizarre and look for balance um, because there is always a flip side to, to this. Sporting directors don't speak in football. That's 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 how it is. That is the norm, if if you like. And and kind of what you're comparing, or what we are all comparing Stuart Weber on, is the first four years of his tenure, where he did a lot of external media and he did explain decision making. You could probably argue now that he's being compared against that, maybe fairly or unfairly, and you could have a debate and an hour long debate as to all of the reasons and mitigation in that and and why he isn't answering questions. But there are sporting directors and football executives in the game who don't do any media, press conference, uh, external at all, don't explain footballing decisions. So um, the fact he is a sporting director who is speaking in in, in any forum, in any setting, 
um, should, of course, always be viewed as uh, as positive. But he is being compared maybe to to what has gone before. Um, and 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 it is it is interesting, Pad, because there has been. And we look at it, particularly in modern football, where a lot of focus is on head coaches and it is on managers and it is on players and it is on people who can go on and score the winner, to, to use a term that he used yesterday, or affect games. There has been a lot of focus on him, uh, who is sort of um, stripping his role back completely here. So feel free to to add plenty more to it. But it's purely strategic, isn't it, in terms of his role and overseeing the footballing culture. There's been perhaps a lot more focus on on him than there would be perhaps other clubs, but I guess there's a there's a hell of a lot of context to wrapping around that. Um what what did you make kind of his demeanour? Because there's been a lot of questions about and 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 not questions necessarily put to him, but questions about his future, his hunger levels, his energy. What what did you make of that yesterday and and, and his his kind of uh yeah his, his general demeanour at, at that press conference throughout it? Well, he looked to be struggling with a bit of a cold, to be honest, because the handkerchief was... Uh, so am I, by the way. So Yes. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of it about. Um, so I don't know whether... whether yeah, he, he, I didn't think it was his front foot as I've seen him before, but that might be, you know, that might be, you know, as as bullish as he as he conveys to us, you know, it, it, it's been, and I, I'll use the words uh, not lightly, but a very bruising period for him on a personal level, I'm sure, that the volume of criticism that's been directed in, in his direction. So that has to have an impact, even if, you know, you take him at what he says, that he doesn't read it, he's not a member of Twitter, to quote him, and, uh, you know, he tries to almost shut himself off from that. It's very hard to ignore the noise when it's on the volume. It has been persistently over, it feels, the last 12, 18 months, but very hard, I suppose, on the space of a 45-minute uh, audience with him and David Wagner, obviously, um, to extrapolate too much about his general demeanour, I think. I mean, suffice to say, I've, I've, I've seen him in a more uh, bullish kind of frame in terms of, you know, almost he, 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 his personality is envelops the room that he's in. I thought he was, and whether it was a conscious decision on his part, because as we've discussed there, we were ostensibly down there to unveil a new head coach, that head coach being David Wagner. It, that was his press conference, essentially. But but obviously, you go back to both when Daniel was unveiled and when Dean Smith was unveiled, Stuart Webber was on the stage as well. So it's entirely uh, understandable he would have been. But whether it was just he wanted to... Uh, and you can see in, in, in his demeanour and his posture that he was just almost sitting a little bit detached from David Wagner and letting him take the lot, limelight and the spotlight. But that was never going to be the case because of the reasons we've already discussed in his podcast um, surrounding you know Stuart Webber and, and his role in the last 12, 18 months in, in where this club finds itself now and, and the fact that he hasn't been externally um, scrutinised by by media for all that length of time, really. So it was a difficult one for him, really, probably, because I'm sure he would. He's he's um, He's been around the block long enough now that he would have known as he walked through the door to that press conference room at Carr Road that it wasn't just going to be about David Wagner and that he would have to front up and answer some uncomfortable lines of questioning. Um but, you know, in terms of his general demeanour, um, I think I look at him and I think, you know, there's there's a, uh, an, an individual who's had to take a lot on his shoulders and, and it, he wouldn't be human, ultimately. I mean, it was the sections around Dean Smith and the criticism that he got and how he felt it was completely, you know, over the top. And maybe it's a societal thing more broadly. He's been to other grounds he talked about and, and seen that level of reaction. And we're obviously zoning in maybe on the Blackburn game, the Luton game and, and how... 
Toxic was the word that was used quite often around those two games in terms of the reaction of a lot of fans to Dean Smith. Um, and, and he basically said, you know, he'd rather it was directed at him as it was probably towards the end of last season than, than a, a head coach or, or the set of players. But that's fine. But even if you try and insulate yourself from it, very hard in the world we live in now to, to completely um, isolate yourself. So, you know, un- until, you know, anybody sits down with him and he opens up about those periods in terms of the human cost to him and the personal cost, well, we'll, we'll never know. But uh, but ultimately, I think if we could try and put any of ourselves in his position, I don't think his shoes are ones you'd want to have walked in for the last 12, 18 months, if I'm honest. No, completely agree. Uh, just on that front, there was a, a comment uh, on the Dean Smith stuff about uh, Dean Smith's age and uh, I guess character and, and kind of demographic and what he what he what he is as a human being. I'm not quite sure the relevance of that if I'm if I'm being completely honest. But there we go. That was that was his opinion. You can watch, of course, the whole press conference on uh, on our YouTube channel and, and make your own judgments. Um, David David Wagner, then Sam, because. He, he was the man that we were there to see and we've spent we've spent the opening sort of 10 15 minutes speaking about Stuart Webber um there, there was a familiarity to him I spoke to uh to Rob Butler I think for Radio Norfolk before the game on Sunday Sunday um and it kind of described it as it, it's been like kind of slotting your feet into a pair of old comfy slippers do you know what I mean there's 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 a nice familiarity about hearing that German twang and 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 maybe Maybe it's maybe it's the the perhaps the memories of of yesteryear that provoked that. But um, I, I thought he he came across very energetic, almost like that spell out of work had re-energized him and re-infused him. And he he looks a man really determined to seize this opportunity. I think. Yeah, and I think that will be refreshing for the large majority of Norwich fans who maybe questioned whether Dean Smith had come to Carrow Road before. Um, it was it, he'd had the requisite break because obviously that was only eight days after he lost his dream job at Aston Villa. And you imagine if it had been a similar period between Wagner leaving Young Boys and arriving at Norwich, it might have been a, a similar situation because those were two pretty bruising um, sackings. Obviously, Schalke, there was the mitigation we've talked about in that um, the club was a bit of a basket case at the time. But having been through the stress that he would have been through trying to manage that club, as well as Obviously, a, a disappointing run at Young Boys, which by all accounts he can probably take a bit more responsibility for. Um, I imagine that's been a period in in his life and in his career that might have impacted him um, and his mood following that. So the fact that he's had a, a decent break before coming to Norwich, I think, is a massive positive. But as you say, it, it feels a little bit like um, sort of slipping back into to those that old pair of slippers and returning to a, a sort of familiarity that we're used to in Norwich City head coaches and those um, comparisons with Daniel Farker are probably something that Wagner is as keen to avoid as Dean Smith um, was. Uh, whether he's as outward about it as as Smith was, I'd be surprised. But, you know, I think there were, there are elements that you can definitely compare between the two. The accent and the, the pronunciation of certain words is certainly something that Norwich fans picked up on when he first spoke to the club. It was a question he got asked yesterday, actually. And he basically said that Daniel Farga had had nothing to do with it in a very respectful way. But you can see why Norwich fans would um, equate this change to a time that they certainly enjoyed, not only in terms of the, obviously, being German um, and sort of the communication skills, but on the pitch, it should be something closer to what Daniel Farker 
put out on the pitch tactically. Now, I don't think it's going to be identical. I think the patience and the shortness of passes probably isn't going to be there as much under um, Wagner as it was under Farker. But uh, in terms of personality and communication and bringing fans along with with people, um, I think that's that's something Wagner definitely brings back to the club. And it was encouraging for us to see, you know, as journalists, you want you want those grabbing quotes and those sound bites and those headlines, and you want you want to have those in a positive way rather than perhaps having to grab Dean Smith saying something negative about fans or. Um, you know, other people picking up on where things have gone wrong. And I think Wagner is going to bring that level of personality and relatability that we maybe haven't seen um, for a little while. And I'm encouraged by that. And I'm sure Norwich fans will be as well. Uh, but as you said, I think having that familiarity and that personality that people can relate to um, is something that Norwich almost certainly were looking for when they went out to, to replace Dean Smith. And, it's no surprise to me that they've gone for somebody like Wagner, having now met him and having heard him speak and answer questions. Uh, he seems to me, and I know this is early and, and communication isn't the whole job, but just from those communication issues that certainly were a part of why Dean Smith went, um, you can see why they've chosen David Wagner. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting as well because the, the Daniel Farker comparisons are natural and they're understandable to an extent, but, but it's also worth remembering that David Wagner was in English football what, two years before Daniel Farker, uh, well, anyone was, was probably even aware of who Daniel Farker was on, on these shores uh, beyond obviously maybe a, a handful of people. So um, that's a, a, an interesting dynamic. And, and he certainly comes to the club in a completely different shape to A, how he arrived at Huddersfield, but also how Daniel Farker arrived at Norwich City. And um, he, he is saying the right things to an extent. Uh, I think, you know, uh, it's a cliche, isn't it? <laughs> How many managers don't speak well in their first press conference? I'm not sure there's there's too many. It's a bit of a clean slate. There's obviously uh, not a lot of, uh, of uh, or there's no context or, or nothing to kind of judge them against. Uh, I, I remember us talking about Dean Smith and how well he spoke in his first press conference um, when, when that was, uh, when that was, uh, when that happened. So, it's very difficult for a manager not to speak well and not to kind of own the message in, in that kind of situation. It will come down to what he does on the pitch, Paddy, which probably lends us nicely to speak about him and his his style of play and that Blackburn game to an extent, because it was a, a radical departure from what has gone before. And, and it wasn't, you know, and we've both said this, it wasn't complete. And obviously there was an element of, of undercoaching and that's not reflective of, of David Wagner or his coaching team and, and their ability, but but more so the time frame that they had to work in. There were nice ideas. You could see what Norwich City were trying to do. I felt at times their press was uh, not quite tight enough and they got played through a little bit easily. But you can you, you there's there's going to absolutely be no complaints and it is a return to kind of a, a systems manager, a, a philosophical manager that maybe Dean Smith wasn't. But nobody's going to be in any doubt when they turn up to watch Norwich City play what a David Wagner team looks like, are they? No, no doubt whatsoever. And 14 months of 13 months of Dean Smith, what was a Dean Smith team about? What was he striving to do with a team in and out of possession? I don't think we, we ever got to that point. We got to that point within 25 minutes, I think, of David Wagner's uh, opening gambit. Um, and, and it was essentially what we saw at Huddersfield, in peak Huddersfield, that period where they cut a swathe through the championship that second well his first full season but his second season in charge of that club um and then on into the Premier League and that first season stayed up um something you know 
that Daniel was unfortunately unable to do, or Dean Smith for that matter, in charge of Norwich. Um, I, I like it. I, I just like that style of football. I like, like it's proactive. It's aggressive. It's forcing the pace. It's brave to to press that high. Um, but my concern with it all is, and I I put this to David Wagner at his presser on Monday. You know, full throttle to use his terminology requires as a key pillar. Uh, a very, very high level of fitness. And I don't think this squad are fit enough. Um, and we don't need to get into why that is. I think we can all see it. Look at the amount of goals, late goals they've conceded. Uh, not all down to fitness, but it's certainly a contributory factor. Go back to the far career when when things were good um, and the double and the treble, triple training sessions. But particularly that 18-19 championship season, how late they won games, how late they turned games. Um, wasn't a coincidence. It was because they were as fit as any team in the division. And David Wagner, uh, I felt, took, took the question and came back with, yep, yeah, there's work to do, and, and referenced John Iger's presence now, um, more front of house, who we worked with before at Huddersfield, Glenn Lewis, the head of performance at Norwich, very, very encouraged with the, the initial feedback he's had from him. And he went on to say, to play the brand of football I want, the style of football we want, we need to be fit and fitter than they are. He did say then, uh, that the stats that they, they'd already had fed back in from Blackburn underlined that they they had athletically outperformed where they'd been in previous games, as they would have done, I'm sure. Those players would have been very keen to make an impression, but it's sustaining it, and I felt he made that point as well. Especially when we get into back again, the, the Saturday-Tuesday-Saturday cycle, you need to be fit. You need to be fit to play that style of football in those type of clumps of games. And, you know, when he talked about Omel Hernandez, he actually said, very happy with him for 55 minutes and then effectively said the tank had emptied by then. Um, and that's not to sing, single out on El Hernandez, but I think that's symptomatic of that group of players. Um, and to this point of the season, they haven't been fit enough and they'll certainly need to be to carry out what David Wagner is demanding of them. And my fear is, can you put that work into them this far into a season? He seems to think that is possible. Time will tell. But uh, hugely encouraging that they've got a head coach who will think and, and will bring fans on that journey because I'm sure if I'm a fan turning up now and watching that style of football, you'll take it all day long. Yes, as Stuart Weber pointed out, it won't always get the results. There'll, there'll be games where it doesn't come off or players are still adapting to the demands that they're going to be asked of them um, and, and you row with that. But I think in, in the mid to longer term, would I rather watch a David Wagner or a Dean Smith? Not even a debate, is it? So, uh, yeah, Small steps, but at the back of my mind, I'm thinking how, because the time is of the essence, given where they are in the table, given that the games are running out now, given other teams are riding off into the distance, certainly in terms of the automatic situation, there isn't a period where he can bed in or, or transition. It needs to happen now. And and you think, well, how, how do you get from a level of fitness that isn't where it needs to be to where it is? Peak fitness, very hard, very hard to see that happening um, in sufficient time for them to... To, to put the results on the board and the consistency they need to get themselves back in the mix. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying um, that's my big concern now. Not that we, we won't enjoy watching a David Wagner Norwich side for the rest of the season, but can the players deliver what he's demanding in terms of the output to carry out his wishes? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, and they try to do some really interesting stuff tactically. And for all the talk about kind of fitness, and, and you've you've surmised that um, excellently there, and, and David Wagner was, was asked about that yesterday, there's also an organisational point, and it isn't just 
kind of running around like headless chickens, there are various triggers and, and various aspects of that that are going to require some pretty intricate coaching. And even though maybe the, the concept compared to maybe what we saw with, with Daniel Farker, where it was a lot more like puzzle pieces or chess pieces on a board being moved, this is a, a lot more simplistic in terms of just energy and aggression and, and running and, and pressing. Um, but it, it, it does kind of require the same amount of, of, of coaching. And it was interesting, particularly what he said after the game about maybe where he has prioritised in terms of Norwich moving the ball from their defensive third to the midfield third. And I thought they did some really nice stuff in terms of they essentially played with a, a back three. It, it wasn't too dissimilar to what we saw at Huddersfield, really, where he had a, a defensive midfielder at, at Huddersfield. It was Jonathan Hogg. Uh, we saw Kenny McLean do that role and do it at I thought really well, actually, on, on Sunday. It's the best I've seen Kenny McLean play for a while, where, as I say, they would almost build up as a, a back three. He was happy to play the, the perhaps slightly longer passes. I, I think there's less of a, uh, of a, a, a I guess, a, an ideological view that Norwich will need to keep possession. I think he is perfectly happy to mix it up. And I think we've seen that in all of the jobs that he's done. He's not necessarily... He doesn't necessarily want these teams to play it long, but he's not necessarily absolutely dogmatic in the sense that they have to play it on the floor and, and have high percentages of, of possession. He wants to, to to get it forward as quickly as as humanly possible, be that on the floor or um, going a bit longer. But there is absolutely an emphasis on, on playing out from the back. It's just the very sort of range of passing that that, that assumes. And that midfield dynamic, Sam, was was interesting because we, we had McLean, as I mentioned. We obviously had the, the wing backs pushed on. So, so Norwich in possession, we're essentially playing a back three. Uh, they're attacking with a front five, which is a really common kind of tactical principle that a lot of, of really good footballing teams use. Pep Guardiola uses it, Jürgen Klopp uses it, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, not everyone uses it, but but those certainly do. And we know how how big of an influence Jürgen Klopp is. My 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 fear of, of this style, to be honest, is A, what Paddy mentioned in terms of the time frame that there is to implement it, the lack of pre-season. The fact that he is going to have to put a lot of fitness into these players mid-season where the schedule is so intense and for every kind of session you do of really intense fitness work, you almost need one of recovery. And, and so that becomes a little bit disjointed. But then the second part is after five, six, seven games, we know how modern football works where everything is on video and teams can watch everything instantly. My fear is that uh, there are going to be holes, particularly if Norwich don't grasp this as quickly as perhaps they need to that teams are going to find areas to exploit them because of the risk and reward nature of their tactical setup. Yeah, that's very true. And we saw evidence of that even under Daniel Farker, who had obviously a, a very trademark tactical style. Um, you know, you look at situations where that didn't quite work out for them. In the Premier League, it was basically week in, week out. And then in the Championship, um, you look at, I think, Neil Warnock's uh, Middlesbrough side actually did a really good job of man-marking Todd Cantwell and Emmy Buendia and cutting off the supply line in that way. So there's clearly, once you've got such a, an identifiable tactical style, there's clearly the ability for opposition managers to stop you doing that. But I'd suggest as much as quality players go to the highest level of football, quality managers and quality tacticians do the same thing. And probably in the championship, you're more able to get away with... Um, tactical deficiencies and and similarity between games than you are in the Premier League, especially given that Saturday, Tuesday grind that's actually going to make it so hard to to implement that style. But yeah, the concerns of the the time period it's going to take are, are, are worrying for me because I think the way that Varga plays, as as you referenced, isn't 
necessarily predicated on short passing and keeping possession. But there's a difference between sending long balls into an area and still looking for for men and looking for teammates. Um, I think when you say play out from the back, it doesn't necessarily have to be four or five tiny passes that put the river end on the edge of their seat. But it does mean probably trying to to find a man. And I think that's where perhaps somebody like Ben Gibson might come back into the team and have a real shout at, at thriving in this system. Um, because you do, I think Wagner's setup isn't necessarily just about hoofing into an area. I think he is probably still um, looking to to find a man. Pat, I, I guess there's there's plenty of elements to, to pick up uh, off the back of that in terms of what well, a kind of I'm looking at the system that he wants to play and and I'm still seeing quite a few holes in terms of roles that you would look within it. I, I would guess a lot of people would, would say a natural wide player. We know he likes having watched his Huddersfield team to play with those kind of pacey physical. It was it was uh, Van La Parra at, at Huddersfield, wasn't it, among, among some others. I think Alex Pritchard actually went on to, to play there in the, in the Premier League. Um and Norwich and it was interesting that he put on El Hernandez in his first game in charge as well to kind of bring a little bit to that there will obviously be some natural width in terms of the fullbacks he still feels like Norwich maybe lack one possibly two midfield options in terms of what he wants to do and then I think the centre-half element is really interesting as well because when you play a really high pressing system and they have to be really brave with their line and that that's going to mean that a lot of teams are going to put balls in behind them and and the use of Kenny McLean was clever, but also they had they had uh, central midfield players kind of covering uh, the fullbacks when when they attacked, which again was was quite interesting. So a lot of tactically interesting stuff, but again it, it comes down to do Norwich at this moment in time have the personnel to do it? And I guess that kind of thought leads us on to January, and, and I'm sure lots of people will will be talking about January and what Norwich City will or won't do. That was a question that was put to Stuart Weber. Uh, David Wagner was also kind of asked more specifically about German players and and, and various aspects within that, but. Do Norwich need to add elements to this squad to get it functioning in the way that David Wagner needs it to if promotion is the aim between now and the end of the season, which, again, we'll discuss in a bit more detail in a moment. Interesting. Well, at this stage, you don't, you just don't know. You, you just don't know because, you know, there's a, I think there's a sense he has personnel who he could mould, adapt um, and could carry out his wishes within the current roster. But... For reasons we've discussed, maybe the fitness element, maybe they they don't grasp it. You know, I look at Nunes on Sunday; he got a start which he hasn't had too often under Smith in the final stages, and I don't think he grasped it. I thought his I thought some of his passing was poor, um, and and so maybe you know Wagner will look at that and think, well, you know, maybe as good a player he is as he is, can he in the time frame they need, which is almost instantaneously hitting the ground running. Um, can he bank on Nunes? I don't know. And, you know, we've got to drop Josh Sargent into this mix now. And again, Wagner was asked yesterday where he sees him and, and categorically said, um, no, he's a central striker for me. So if he's a central striker, what does that mean for Timu Puki? Does, does that potentially mean one or the other? Does it mean Puki plays up top and, and you, you slots Sargent into the, the sort of just one in behind, which is still technically operating in a central role, uh, but more in the middle of the three? Um, so it's really interesting. I don't think we, at this stage, on the evidence of one, you know, FA Cup tie, we can probably second guess too much. But I think in the here and now, Stuart Weber reiterated it, January, yes, it's open, but they're going to have to park it because David needs to get properly assessing the current roster he's got. And you can only do that 
by a period of games, unfortunately, which isn't ideal if you then decide towards the end of January, no, actually, I've probably reached a conclusion where we're light in a few areas. What can we do? But I think you need to, you need, if you think the squad is good enough, and Stuart Webber repeated that assertion and also added that there's now players who, who were injured and have come back in, Eden most recently, uh, you know, Yanulis, uh, Sam, Sam McCallum, Sam Byram, possibly not at this moment in time, but Jakob Sorensen was on the bench again. That's the first time we've seen him in a long while. So, it's a difficult balance in that, but fundamentally, if you think you've already got the players in the building to carry out what David Wagner wants, you're going to have to trust those players and give them an opportunity to step up. And so I don't think, to, to answer your, your question on January, I don't think anything's going to happen in the short term um, because David Wagner needs to assess the current group. Thereafter, as we get towards the end of the window, could I see them looking at, and I put that to Stuart, because the two of them were very successful in underpinning what happened at Huddersfield with some astute loan purchases, you know, Aaron Moy from Man City, uh, Izzy Brown, I think, uh, Casey Palmer, Chelsea, you know, big clubs lending them players who were perfect for David Wagner's system. I could see that route again, not necessarily those clubs, but of course there's the Klopp dimension in Liverpool. People I'm sure will be looking at that with the, with the relationship he's got with Wagner, but, but that they would look to get in some high quality loan options, which of course, you know, is fraught with danger. They don't all turn out to be Ollie Skip, sadly. Some of them turn out to be Marcus Edwards and, unfortunately, Isaac Hayden, it would appear as well. Although, you know, that's probably a little bit harsh in terms of his injuries that he couldn't really do too much about. But Ramsey, another one. You know, injuries cut short what looked a promising loan. But um, I can see him pivoting towards the loan route. I don't see anything happening in terms of incoming business. I thought it was interesting. They, they, they shut down Rashid to going in this window in terms of a sale, you know, Galatasaray, lots of speculation in Turkey. They, they're trying to do something. The last report I saw there was that they, they, they're going to sell two players to generate funds to test Norwich's resolve. But I thought they were categorical, both Wagner and Weber. Rashika is there on loan. He's there to the end of the season. There'll be no recall, but then they will then assess whether he has a part to play. And for me, why wouldn't he in, a, in this system under this head coach? I think he could have a massive part to play. Um, whether he wants to come back is another debate, but, but, Clearly, they're not going to be generating funds from a, a Rashika-type sale in January. Stuart Weber actually said, you know, when I put it to him, are you having to revise all the work you've done with Dean Smith in terms of what a January window looked like? He said, well, the reality was we were only looking at one position and that there wasn't a huge amount of work that needs to be unpicked now because the head coach has changed. So if they were only looking at one position um, and this head coach has come in and his initial brief is to look at this group of players, I personally think January is going to be a very, very quiet month for Norwich. So I think the answers primarily, bar the odd maybe inquiry in terms of a loan option, I think the answers have to come from within this current group of players. And that's where David Wagner now needs to get to work and assess what he's got um, and what, more importantly, he's got that can fill the criteria he wants, which is you know only going to come through through these next few games, which is really why it's going to be quite a fascinating trip to Preston and, and Coventry and, and, you know, one or two other games this month, because I think it's going to take pretty much most of January for him to really be in a position to turn around to Stewart and say, well, I know Premier League is the aim this season. I don't think we've got enough in the group. And then if he if he does, and you're towards the end of the window, there's not really a lot of room beyond inquiring for a few loan players, I think, to change it. So, you know, much as we're talking about, has he got the time to impact what they need to do fitness-wise? 
question mark. I think the same is true of what they can do in January for all the reasons I've discussed. Yeah, it was it was interesting to hear that, that Stuart Weber said that he he felt it was a little bit too early to be speaking as you've just mapped out there a little bit too early to be speaking about that. I mean, it's it's the tenth today, so they've not got a, a hell of a, a a long period to do that. And also, on a pure kind of numerical basis, Sam, um, particularly maybe at the top end of the pitch where people are looking, as as Pad mentions, Aaron Ramsey has uh, as as gone back to Aston Villa injury and the injury uh, sustained in Tampa has has cut that that loan short he he was uh, Norwich City's most creative player in the in the first half of the season you could obviously talk about consistency in various elements but when he was on it he was undoubtedly I, I felt Norwich City's most creative player there's obviously lots of, of speculation around Todd Campwell at this moment in time Sky Sports reporting today that Norwich have rejected a bid from from another championship side for him there's obviously lots of speculation about Rangers he's out of contract in the summer, it, it it probably feels like on a purely numerical basis, and that's before you kind of throw Isaac Hayden's situation in, the fact he's had an operation on his knee, it doesn't feel like, and obviously we don't have an exact timeline on him, but it doesn't feel like we're going to be seeing him for a portion of time. So maybe you could even throw in the the kind of midfield role into this. It it does feel like they're a little bit short in a couple of areas. And, and I guess all of this probably feeds into the expectation around Wagner because and it was interesting to hear, and again, I don't want to make this the premise of the question because we'll we'll dig into it in a moment, but it was interesting to hear kind of Stuart Webber maybe not back off slightly because they don't want to write this season off. But again, it was very much, he won't be defined by what happens this season. You got the sense from what he was saying, look, if the season ended tomorrow and Norwich City sat 11th, it would be David Wagner leading them in in the championship again next season, which 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 was interesting. But what what I'm trying to say is, all of this kind of, all of these ingredients, I suppose, it does make life very difficult for him. The fact that the, that he's got time against him in, in terms of that 20 games, a really tough period in terms of embedding a completely new system of, of play, particularly when that is kind of weighed against any kind of expectation to achieve something. But also, as we've discussed, probably the lack of reinforcements that he's going to get this month. Yeah, and that was something that actually was was left thinking after that Blackburn game. I thought from the way they played for the first sort of 50, 55 minutes, um, as we've spoken about the 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 system that Wagner had implemented, even in a couple of days, I thought came across looking pretty good and you could see the signs of his football already in the team. But I actually came away from that game thinking, actually, Wagner's got a little bit of a difficult task to try and galvanise this squad, which didn't look particularly good and hasn't, in recent times, in my view, then you take that element of losing a number of players. Obviously, Hayden Ramsey looks like Campwell's probably going to go. And you take a squad that already looked thin on quality in certain areas and um, make it even more so. And you do wonder how Wagner's going to, to find a way around that. I'd say the mitigation that Norwich fans will will probably be looking for comes from the fact that Huddersfield didn't have the best squad when he was promoted with them. So he's clearly somebody who's used to not working in totally optimal circumstances in terms of the players at his disposal. But there are areas of that squad that just look like gaping holes compared to other areas. You look at the back four and they've got Max Ahrens, Androma Bamadeli, Grant Hanley and Demetrius Yanoulis with Ben Gibson as a backup. And then you look in the, the forward areas and they've got probably, what, Ono Hernandez and Daniel Sanani as two of their frontline options on the wing, especially given um, Wagner said yesterday that he sees Josh Sargent as a, a central striker. 
and that that discrepancy between different areas of the pitch is something I, I'd expect to see Stuart Webber want to address at the earliest available opportunity. Now that that um, unequivocal ruling out of a, a sale of Milo Rashica perhaps explains it and explains his point of view on which players he feels could come back and play a significant role in the summer. Christos Jolis is back training with um, 20 now and he looks like a player that perhaps if he gets his confidence back could thrive in a, a David Wagner system. So in the mid to long term, they perhaps feel they have options in and around the club, if not in the building right now that could contribute. But I do worry for the rest of the season, given as much as, as Weber did take that pressure off and and say that Wagner isn't going to be defined by this season. The aim is still definitely promotion and the financial imperatives are such that they still have to aim for that. Um, and I'm just not sure where the creativity is going to come from. I think I said on a recent podcast or video that we did that I did expect them to try and find some sort of replacement from somewhere for, for Aaron Ramsey, because as you said, he's been the only real source of creativity. I think Gabriel Sara, if he steps up his consistency can be that a little bit but unless they're going to have somebody emerge from the shadows and, and be an Mbwendia type figure for the rest of the season I'm not sure where that element is going to come from so there are certain issues for me that I feel with any head coach it's difficult to get over especially given Wagner isn't a head coach that's going to adapt his philosophy to to suit the players that that he has, it's probably more likely he adapts the players to to try and suit his philosophy. And you do think with such a gaping hole and a team that isn't going to be based on defensive um, philosophy, I, I just wonder how they're going to have the quality to see them over the line or even get close to the line, to be honest. So finding a way around that, probably finding a way to inject some confidence into the, the players that he has at his disposal already. Um, probably finding the best from Kieran Dowell and Danel Sinani will be a priority for him if there is if there isn't going to be any of those reinforcements. But I certainly was surprised when Stuart Webber was so and he didn't totally rule it out, but he certainly cast a, a, a serious amount of doubt over whether any business will be done in January. And I was surprised by how direct he was with that because for me it feels like a squad, especially given the weaknesses that have opened up in uh, in recent weeks, that, that probably does doesn't need that that reinforcement, but um, you know, I, I suppose we'll have to wait and see how Wagner addresses that. And uh, as a, as a head coach, he might back himself to to be able to adapt certain players and adapt the system to be able to do that. But for me, looking at things now, I'm I'm not feeling positive about where that creativity is going to come from. Yeah, uh, Tony Springett returned to the bench on on Sunday. John Rowe uh, is is going to be out until about April, so he hasn't got a lot in terms of of those creative areas. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he utilises that. I'm, uh, I, I I would be absolutely gobsmacked if Norwich City, if we were sat here come February the first or whenever the deadline is, that if Norwich City hadn't added another option to their squad in those areas. But we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I guess that is in, entirely plausible. And and David Wagner may well suggest to, to Stuart Weber that he is happy to go as is. Um, so, so we'll see how, how that unfolds throughout, throughout the month, especially if they lose Todd Cantwell as well, just purely on kind of an options um, uh, sort of, yeah, in, in terms of pure options, it, it feels like they'd, they'd need another, but I mean, all of these elements pad, you, you kind of, you kind of then try and, and, and put it up against David Wagner and the job that he has here, 20 games, 
which is not a, a big period of time. And, and, and he is a manager who has, um, throughout his spells at different clubs, been able to positively and negatively get clubs on streaks and get clubs on runs. So, and they're only three points off the playoffs. It's not beyond the realms that Norwich City can can do that. If they'd have beaten Blackburn, um, it, they would have gone third, as, as Dean Smith pointed out and as Stuart Weber pointed out yesterday. So this is a, a wide open league. And I think I've said a few times, I would expect in the next 10 to 12 games, this kind of really open nature of this division to close up a little bit. I would expect us to see a bit more of an established top six, um, particularly now given the top two looks looks uh, sort of insurmountable for Norwich this season. But just in terms of all of the aspects that we've discussed over the 50 minutes or so that we've been recording so far, as we as we go to Preston and as we start this run in, in January, there are some big games. What is going to be the onus? Are we, are we in must-win territory for Norwich City now? Are we in that Norwich City need to show some momentum and some positive performances. How much pressure is there on the season at this moment in time for him to come in and to start winning instantly? And I guess as, as a second question to that, what is the response going to be if he doesn't, when the expectation is for Norwich City to win, to get into the playoffs and ultimately to get back to the Premier League? Are people going to have the time in him? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think the narrative now is... And we've touched on it already. Um, if it doesn't happen, it won't be on David Wagner. And how could it be, really? You know, to to inherit much as Dean Smith, you couldn't put the relegation from the Premier League on his shoulders. But then what happened was through the summer, and um, right Norwich are coming back down. They're retaining a lot of that squad. We expect them to be firmly challenging. Then it very firmly switched, and I could see a similar scenario with Wagner. I don't, I don't say it as a, a free pass because clearly it's not, but. You know, for reasons we've we've forensically analysed, he's got a very tough hand now to get this group. Firstly, winning going forward, getting him in the playoffs, and then even if you got into the playoffs, which I think would be quite an achievement from this stage, to to have timed your momentum to navigate your way through. And of course, you know, he would say, "Well, I did that at Huddersfield, so he knows what it takes." And of course, he does. But um, so the second part of that is no, I don't think that there won't be. I don't think that I don't see any reasonable uh, Norwich fan looking at it and thinking uh, if Norwich falls short and if the, the wins don't quite come in the, 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 the immediacy that we're all hoping for, that anybody will basically get into him. I, I just don't see that scenario at all um, because the reality is he's inherited a very difficult challenge. But that said, um, I don't think there is any need to panic. Yes, of course, 11th in the table is is not not a great scenario at this stage, but it's the points, and you reference it. Three points to, to the playoffs, albeit a few clubs to clamber over, one of whom they go to this weekend in Preston. And um, and as Wagner said, and you've referenced it there as well, Connor, that the nature of the championship, those runs, both positive and negative, can really exponentially push you forward or, or, or push you back. And and I, I look at Forest and how they, they came like a train this time last season. I, I don't know where they were. 26 games in, but I'd imagine they have plenty of ground to make up. And and even though they just fell short in the in the top two race, they they maintain that momentum to to come through in the playoffs. And and it's about peaking at the right time now. He will look at it and look at it, a block of 20 regular season games left and have the experience of going through this with Huddersfield. And, and he won't be panicking at all. Yes, I think for the mood and the general levels of optimism, the sooner the better if they can put some wins on the board allied to that evolution in style um 
But if it wasn't to happen immediately, I, I'd still think there's enough games because offensively they've just got to squeeze into the playoffs. And if that's fifth or sixth on the final day of the season, uh, then so be it. And, and if it was, then they probably would have that momentum to at least bounce into the playoffs rather than kind of uh, treading water if they get in there a bit sooner and, and they, they tail off in terms of results. So overall, I think, you know, let's see what Preston brings and then move on from there. Certainly that's how I've, I've sensed Wagner wants to package it. What if in terms of playoffs, what if in terms of beyond there is is really irrelevant. Right now, it's about Preston, three points, good performance, more evidence that the players are buying into his methods very quickly. Uh, and then roll it on from there. Because if you can harness some momentum in this league, things can change rapidly, as they have in a negative fashion, as you said there, rightly, for all the toxicity around Dean Smith. They beat Blackburn that night, which wasn't all that long ago now. They go third in the table. Now they're sitting 11th. That's ridiculous. that They've slipped down that many places. But conversely, that they go in another direction, it can it can change again. So... Let's see, let's see. But um, but no, I mean, anybody who wants to get into David Wagner, if, if the results don't come immediately, I think is, um, you know, I'm not sure what they're expecting because it doesn't, you can't, you can't come in and enact the type of change he wants. It's not like he's coming in and wants to continue in the, on the path Dean Smith was trying to, to move down. He's, he's going in a completely different direction and that inevitably is going to probably induce some uncomfortable moments. He talked about that, I think, on Sunday. You know, what he's asking the players to do is going to be painful. There will be moments of pain. But if you come through that and take yourself out of your comfort zone and how you've done things before, the rewards could be the other side of that. And you just hope that there's enough early evidence that the players can see that and row in behind him. The fans will row in behind them. And let's see where it takes us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the nature of how he wants to play, I, I spoke about it earlier, it's so risk and reward. There are going to be some afternoons where Norwich look absolutely horrendous. That's just the nature of what they're trying to do. But when they get it right, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I think they're probably going to they're going to score a few goals, even in their current guys. That's before you maybe add better players into this. So uh, it's not going to be dull, I don't I don't think. But Sam, as, uh, just, just finally, as, as we head to, to Preston, what, what are you hoping to see? I mean, it's, it, it is interesting because of where Norwich City are. It does feel in many ways like a kind of must-win game, as all of the next 20 will do. But it feels like the, the benchmark is going to be on performance and getting that right because we, we've spoken about it so often this season. If you can get a consistent level of performance, results over time do follow. Uh, he's a believer in, in that as well. So I, I guess on Saturday and Preston have lost their last three, uh, three home games. I'm sorry for anyone who subscribes to the Along Come Norwich belief. Um, but what, what are you hoping to see at, at Deepdale purely in terms of, uh, of performance from Norwich City and David Wagner's Norwich City? I'm hoping to see a, a bit of entertainment because as much as fans have been um, calling for Dean Smith's head because of a lack of it, you know, we're at every game. We quite like to watch entertaining football and it's something that I, I think Norwich fans have probably been due for a good long while. Um, Preston are a, a decent side. They're definitely in the playoff mix. So, if David Wagner's team can put together a decent performance, it should be quite a good game. But you know, as as all Norwich fans will be and all football fans do whenever a new um, manager or head coach comes in, they'll be looking for signs of what's changed and what's different under the new head coach. And I'm not expecting a polished performance. I'm not expecting the the archetypal David Wagner side coming out and playing exactly his style of football in a perfect way and and playing Preston off the park and winning 4-0. But I would like to be able to point at things that happen and say, David Wagner's done that, or, you know, he's doing that because 
this is a, a principle of David Wagner's. And I think we we saw that already against Blackburn, to be fair. So I am expecting to see that. Um, but if we saw as much of the change, and I'd say, I, I know people were more impressed with the second half performance against Blackburn, but I'd say the game state probably dictated that it was easier for Norwich to do that. I actually was more impressed by the first half because I thought with the fitness behind them, obviously Wagner spoke about how quickly that ran out, but with the fitness behind them, they played like what looked to me a, a David Wagner side. And I'm hoping to see that probably for a, a more extended period. Um, and I think the, the, the five subs probably helps Wagner in the short term with that fitness issue. So it should be something where they can carry out a, a David Wagner performance, if not across 90 minutes hopefully some strong signs for 75 minutes. Um, and I want to see players improve their performance. There are certain players who will be watched by Norwich fans because they know they can do much more and they probably will hope that after Dean Smith's time in charge, probably saw some regression from those players that they see the positive signs that they've maybe seen previously. I'm talking about the likes of um, Max Ahrens, Dimitris Inoulis, um Kenny McLean even, who actually all I thought were, were pretty decent performance, performers um, on Sunday in that Blackburn game. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for all the elements that I think any any football fan would do when a new head coach comes into a club. Um, but it's probably the best the best idea to go into it, probably acknowledging that it, it will be, you know, just over a week in charge for David Wagner and he's not, he's not a miracle worker. Yes, the... The situation is such that he probably has to work as quickly as he possibly can to get this this team um, producing results in the championship. But it's pro- it might not even be in the next three, four weeks that we see um, close to a, a fully formed Wagner performance. So, you know, I think going into it with a, a healthy level of expectation about some change is, is probably the best idea, but also just a, a good performance because we've seen too many off days from Norwich this year. And they're a team that should be producing results against the majority of championship teams. Um, and if they've got that, that ambition of reaching the playoffs and, and trying to get promoted this season, they do need to start producing results. And for all the criticism we gave Dean Smith, it would be unfair for me to, to come here now and say that winning is the only important thing. It's clearly not. But um, they have a squad that's capable of doing it. And even after uh, you know a week or so in charge for David Wagner, um, I do expect to 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 see a side that has at least a good chance of winning against Preston. And I think it's still the benchmark, even early in Wagner's reign, going into every game, um, expecting a, that a win should come and, and seeing that as the benchmark is is probably still fair. And um that's what I'll be doing when, when I go to Preston. But you have to you have to look at it with a, a a level of fairness and a level of balance and say that it's not going to be the perfect performance. Um, but yeah, just just some of those signs, a bit of aggression, hopefully some some pressing, which I actually thought uh, there were some some really good signs of that. Adam Eder especially was quite intelligent in his pressing on Sunday. Um, so if they can reproduce those, a little bit of of those, perhaps not not heavy metal football just yet, but if we can get a bit of rock and roll, then uh, then I'll be happy with that. Yep, you and me both. Uh, just a couple of points of order at the at the end of the pod. Norwich City's women got got knocked out of the FA Cup at the fourth round stage uh, away to Burnley. It was good, good that they finally managed to play that fixture, having been uh, specifically at the the second rearranged tie being mucked about um, 
pretty badly. I think they'd already named the team before the uh, before the game was was called off, but they were beaten one nil. Uh, sounded like a, a pretty heroic effort by them against the team who who are a league above them at the moment. Excellent run for for Sean Howes and his and his side. So so well done to them, uh, and also. Uh, because we've we've spoken about it a lot, and in the interests of of being very transparent and keeping you guys uh, up to date with 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 a lot, and and again, as I said, we've been very open so far about how things have have developed over the recent months with the football club. I think it's it's fair that we say on 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 uh, the as we're talking about balance and and various other aspects. Um, that last week, last Thursday, uh, we held a meeting with some representatives of the football club about uh, where our relationship currently is. I'm not going to sort of go into the ins and outs of what was discussed in that meeting because it's, it's not really relevant. Uh, a lot of a lot of it and uh, a lot of stuff we we will obviously keep to ourselves and between us and them. Um, but what I would say is I felt it was productive uh, and we will, of course, uh, as we have been throughout, are always open to those conversations and have always been open to those conversations. So it's good to, to have finally sat down and, and, and had one. Pad, I don't know if you want to add anything on, on the end of, of that, but I think that, that covers it nicely. Yeah, absolutely, Connor. Yeah, I think you've mapped out the situation. I mean, suffice to say, um, David Wagner, new head coach, a sense of turning a page and and um and that probably applies as well to 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 the situation ourselves and the club have kind of found ourselves in we won't go into the whys and wherefores of that because they've been discussed liberally elsewhere um over these last nine months whatever but you know a willingness i think from both sides now to to move forward and um and as i say in line with this sense that this is a new era for norwich under david wagner um, we all ultimately want the same thing, you know, whether it's the football club or whether it's us specifically or more broadly, certainly I think speaking for the rest of the local media, and that is a successful Norwich City side. And, you know, we're all on the same path. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we can move forward again on that journey. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, as you said, Connor, that's probably uh, worth recording. And um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward and see how, where we go, where it takes us. Yeah, of course, and that that of course will have no zero effect on on any of our coverage or output as uh, as it hasn't in recent months, contrary to to maybe some people's views and and opinions. But such is life; we all have them, and we're all entitled to them. So that seems like a nice place to end the pod. Thank you very much for listening. It's been, it's been a hectic few days. Uh, I've got some cats now fighting behind me in my bedroom, which is an, an excellent way to end the pod. Um, but there we go, gents. Thank you. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, of course, all the relevant pink and channels will, will take you through the build up to Preston. We'll be at Deepdale as well for coverage of that game. All of the usual stuff. Get yourself a Pink and Plus subscription if you haven't already. Details on our website uh, of how you can take out a free trial and decide for yourself as well. Uh, I haven't got a nice review to read out. There was there was one though that I should have got up for, the, for this and didn't. So that's uh, that's my lack of preparation. But do try it out for yourselves. Thank you very much for listening. See you again very very soon.